Okay. We're ready to go. Okay, this morning I want to continue what we spoke about last week about this relationship versus religion. Just a quick recap uh, on what we said last week. First of all, I told you we don't do how-to teachings, how to have better faith, how to do this, how to... The how-tos we do with disciples that are newly born, that are babies, we show them how to pray, how to, how to anything. We do that with the babies and we help them to, to, to see that they can do things. But once they've done that, we don't teach how to anymore. They must walk in relationship, each of us, so that the Holy, can, Holy Spirit can take you further on that thing. Then it doesn't become a thing anymore, it becomes a lifestyle. Um, in, in a practical way, if, if you want to learn how to drive a car, somebody will show you how to change the gears, how to use the, the indicators, whatever the case may be. Then once you've passed your license, got your license, nobody's going to tell you how to anymore. You're going to learn to become a better driver on your own by doing it. And that's the same with, with, with us in the faith, that we must, not, we must stop the how-tos to become more. We must go into a relationship. And unfortunately, us as believers and disciples, we don't do that. We stay our whole lives looking at all the how to get better faith and how to have a better anointing and how to do this or that. And we don't grow in a relationship. We stay busy with the baby stuff. That we, and we, if we're busy with that stuff, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to take us deeper and further in that truth. We stay with drinking the milk of that, that thing that you should have long ago have, have managed and grown from there. All right, so that's why I'm <coughs> sorry. When I see people continuing going into the how to do this and how to overcome this and how to overcome that, um, it shows me they're still in their baby phase and they're still growing out of that. It's not always a negative thing, but I mean, some at some stage, you should be more mature than that. Okay. So, uh, we ended off by speaking about the vine. Okay. About the vine. Sorry, just want to give you a second. Kijk net of ek moet opkom. Ja, maar jy kijk hier die altijd in. Alright. We ended off with the vine. And I said the following, if you can remember, when it's dry, the vine, uh, normal fruit trees, um, any type of fruit trees, when it's dry, they will will throw their fruit to to survive this this drought, this heat. They will they will let go of their fruit, but we said the vine will not do that. The vine will let go of the leaves and will produce maximum fruit. Okay. So on that, we're going to continue. To, I'm going to continue reading out of John, out of that, um, in this topic of relationship versus religion. So you can see, remember we said that's why the Lord is the vine, because He's producing the fruit, not you and me. We cannot produce fruit, but when we're in a relationship with Him, that fruit from Him will become visible in us, the branch. Okay? You sometimes see that believers think they are producing fruit by doing good deeds. Let's say, for instance, somebody's a disciple and he's casting out demons and he's, he's praying for the sick and he's spreading the gospel. Then they think that's good fruit that they are doing that. That's not. It's not good fruit that you are doing. It must all come out of from him. Okay. Those are the things we do out of relationship, not out of works. But he's the, he's the one. It's his fruit that we're carrying. Okay. People, when they come and eat from you, you as a tree, the fruit... They don't eat your fruit, they eat the Lord's fruit. Okay, so remember that, that's why what we said last week, un unfortunately with the ladies, they like doing things, uh, and they get stuck in this, this way of wanting to do things because of how they were made, and they like going to things, how to do things. Have you ever tried to get your wife, most of them, not to do something? It's difficult. They're always busy with the next thing they're doing. They don't sit still that often as we guys maybe do. 
All right, that's and they unfortunately sometimes take that into their belief system where they want to get stuff to do stuff because they think that they must do something, read enough books, read enough Bible. Um, nothing wrong with those things, but it's when it's done out of the wrong heart and out of the wrong belief system, it sometimes tends to be a problem and that, that thing becomes your God or whatever you believe. Okay, so we're going to continue with that today. Also, I just want to say this before we start in, in context of what we're going to say. When we, when we see people outside, believers, you must realize when people are, again, praying for the sick, casting out demons, sharing the gospel, uh, raising the dead, all that stuff that we do as a disciple, when they are doing that, they are prophesying, maybe, that doesn't mean they have a relationship with the Lord. Please, you must know this. So somebody that does these things is not a supernatural Christian. That, that it just shows that they are using the Holy Spirit. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. That doesn't mean they have a, a, a relationship with the Lord in the sense of prophesying. They can still be very religious, stuck in their ways, not having a relationship, and do those things. Those things are not relational to do. But we do, we as that's in love with the Lord will do those things out of relationship. So there's a huge difference between two. Because I see a lot of us think that when somebody can prophesy or, or do these things, wow, they've got an awesome relationship with the Lord because they can hear His voice and all that. And please, you can have people that hear the Lord's voice but are living a life of sin still and casting out demons and praying for the sick and they're still weighing their sin, stuck in their sin. All right, those things doesn't justify you having a relationship with the Lord. That's only a proof that you are using His Holy Spirit, that power of the Holy Spirit to do those things. All right, very important. So don't get caught up when you see somebody saying or doing a teaching and you hear them hearing the Lord's voice and think this person is, 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 is in tune with the Lord. Okay, just a, a note to, to remember because a lot of us make that mistake. I did that too in the beginning. You think this guy is very holy because they are praying and all these things are happening. And then you realize but this guy is, is not that, that, that you think he is. Okay, so just remember that. All right, so let's continue. We ended saying that the life that we have. Um, Kayla, admit, sorry, there's just somebody joining. We ended saying that the life is in the, in the answer of life. Everything that we need to do and where we are in is in us. The, the answer is in us. We're going to talk about that today. And that, that is who's in us. Christ is in us. The Bible says, the word says Christ in us. So everything that we need is inside of us. It's not up there somewhere far away. It's inside of us. We should change our prayer life a lot of times when we have time with the Lord. Knowing He's here, not out there somewhere as we were maybe brought up to think or your belief system taught you. Like we said, He's the vineyard and we're the vine. So... God's original plan was to fill the earth. We spoke about this in a previous teaching. And the reason that his original plan was to fill the earth, it was to fill the earth with his glory. It says that from the book of Genesis all the way through, through the book of Revelations, his plan is to fill the earth with his glory. And he started with that plan in Genesis with Adam. Okay. Adam failed in the creator's plan. All right. Adam and Eve, they failed with the, this plan that the Creator had, this goal he had for His glory to manifest on the earth. But we must remember the Creator, the Lord, has never changed His plan. He has never stepped back and said, this was a bad plan, I'm not going to do this anymore. That's why it's throughout the whole Bible. He's still busy with that plan. And that's why He planted the seed 2,000 years ago on this earth. The word said he planted a seed and that seed is Jesus Christ that he planted on this earth. And that seed gave his life. That Jesus Christ gave his life for us. He died in order for that seed to grow. I mean, any seed, the word said it must die and then it will grow. So Jesus Christ, that seed that was brought into the earth just over 2,000 years ago, died and him dying ensured a harvest, the beginning of the harvest. Him dying, that seed dying and growing, 
made it possible for the harvest to start growing. Okay, you must really understand this. So at the moment, this seed is still growing. This harvest is still growing. And we're the workers that, that needs to go out and, and get this harvest. So this vineyard that's growing, the seed that's growing, is at the moment filling the whole of the earth. As people are coming to Christ, the body is coming and be, becoming visible, if I can call it that way. The body, the seed that's growing is becoming visible with Christ the head. It's not fully functioning maybe at the moment still, like we said last time, but it's there, it's happening, it's growing, and Christ is the head. Very important. We're going to talk about that at the end. So the vineyard with the vines are growing all over the world because of that seed that was planted 2,000 years ago, and it's growing now, still growing today. And we are part of that the, the branches of the of the vine, okay? So when we look at John 15, verse 3, we're going to continue with the vineyard that we, we ended off last week. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. That's what we just said now. No more can ye except ye abide in me. All right. So where is he? And if you look at that, in us. He says, abide in me and I in you. Okay. So he's in us. So where are you? According to that, in him. Okay. You see there. It says in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves whether ye be in, in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be... Alright, so here in 2 Corinthians it's emphasizing that he is in in us i really want you to know this because this will help you in your relationship to know where the lord is and why he's there he's in you okay because we don't want to do the the religious thing by trying to to get things to happen to us the whole time i mean you all were in, maybe in church services where they would be busy praise and worshiping and they would say come holy spirit come down on us and they would focus so much on them coming down on them not realizing he's actually in them all right um, nothing wrong with asking him to come down i'm not saying that's wrong but we in some church denominations that's the focus thinking the whole time he's got to come down from somewhere now to to fill us and not knowing he's actually been with us the whole week inside of us and he's still in the church service inside of us but we've got this mentality of thinking he's got to come from somewhere every time all right just to help you with that so you should see now he's in us um if I can give you another example, if you bake a cake, you're going to use eggs, your flour, sugar maybe, icing, all that stuff you're going to use to bake a cake. But when you've got all your ingredients, you're going to mix them all up. And when they're all mixed up, it's one thing, the cake. So when it's, you can't then see what is sugar, what is the flour, it's one thing. That's what I said last week. What happens us when we come to Christ. His spirit and your spirit becomes one the day you get born again. Before baptism, before laying on our hands, the word says you become one. Alright? One. Uh, it, it says that so clearly in the Bible. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. It's a, the, the verse that says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things be gotten you. You're a new creature because your spirit and his spirit becomes one. Like that cake. You can't go when the cake is baked and say, Oh, that but there must be the sugar. That was the flour and that was the icing. Everything is in one. The water, the oil you used in that cake. Everything is in one. Alright, that's how you are when you are in Christ. A new creation. A Christian is a Christ container, I said yeah. If you're a Christian... You're a Christ container, okay? So when you're out there in the streets, at your workplace, wherever you're going to go, one of these days, some of you have maybe already started or were busy the whole time, you, are this, you must remember you're this Christ container. Him, not 
things about him, him. You should, because he's in you, he's part of you. In Romans 1 verse 16, Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay, now that word, I just want to put this in here so you can see that. That word salvation that it says there. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone. That word salvation in Greek is soteria. Soteria. Soteria means it's a recovery. There's a recovery that happens in a person, a total recovery that happens in somebody. That total recovery is spirit, soul, and body. Okay, that's soteria, that, that salvation that happens in us. That's what salvation means. It's when you recover and fully recover that new creature. All right? New creation in Christ. Let's continue John 15 verse 5. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Again, what we said in the beginning, we can't have fruit on our own. We can't do anything without the vine. That's what he's saying there. Um, it says in verse 7 of John 15, if we go back, it says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now that verse, if you are brought up in the charismatic movement, in those churches, they love this verse. They would say, listen, if you're a believer, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. That's what they believe in. And they stand on that. Again, what I said last week, they're taking one verse and making it a, a truth, and it's not a truth. It's not in, in, in context what that verse is saying. They just make it a general, I don't want to say law, but thing that they use for everything in their life as a Christian. And that's not what that verse is saying at all. But we take this one verse, the charismatic churches love doing that and, and making that a, a thing that we can do. All right. We're going to talk about that now. It says there in verse 8, Herein is my Father's glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Okay. Now, I'm going to justify that previous verse, verse 7, with when we can ask for stuff. Okay. We can't just ask for stuff and it shall be given unto us as we as we use that, that verse for. But I want to focus on here on verse 8 where it says, Herein is my Father glorified. Remember God's glory that must become visible on the earth from the book of Genesis to Revelation. His great big plan. How does he say, does his Father get glorified? That ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. So we know this verse. We do it some use it sometimes at kickstarts if you want to be a disciple you must bear fruit okay and then a lot of them run with thinking that fruit is healing and casting out demons not at all that's not the fruit that's things we do as a disciple that's your work description as a disciple it's not fruit but i've heard so many disciples thinking that's a, uh, a proof that that person is is has got fruit okay so we're going to look at that so it says hey, who's carrying the fruit? The disciples. That ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So who's carrying the fruit? Disciples. What is this fruit? Like I said just now, we think as, as, as disciples sometimes it's all these things we do. Praying for the sick and casting our demons and sharing the gospel and all that. But look, let's look at what the word is saying. What is this fruit that a disciple must have? Let's start with John 13, verse 34. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Next verse. But this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Okay. Shall all men know, it says there. You don't sell amal viet in Afrikaans. By this all people will know. Others translation, everybody will know. 
how will everybody know that you are his disciple? If ye have love for one another. Okay? You must really understand this because there's such a wrong belief in, in discipleship at the moment with these with these things that we do. And that's why I've seen it personally where a lot of people will go and do these things as a disciple, casting out demons and sharing the gospel, and there's no love in them. They're just doing the things, thinking that's what we must do. That's the fruit, and it's not the fruit. That's why you guys have been out with me on the, on the streets, you know. Um, we've spoken about this before. I want to see the Lord's love working through you when you're working with that broken person, um, and, and you are talking to them, whether you're praying or whatever the case may be, I want to see you function out of His love for that person. Okay? Okay, now. There's somebody that wants to join. All right. And I know most of you haven't seen this. What is this fruit? Because we're focusing on what is this fruit that we must, as a disciple, function in. And it says there, oh, you want to take your mic as on? So that your mic. So we, as disciples, must know that we must bear fruit. We just read it. But then what fruit? What is this fruit of the Lord that we're carrying? All right. I said your conviction is not a tool. Because a lot of us use conviction when we work with the people outside. And conviction is not always a tool. There's a time and a place for talking straight to somebody that's in sin but conviction is, should not be your tool go to tool love should be the thing you use when you are busy out there in the marketplace at your workplace love that's what will bring people into the kingdom not conviction john 15 verse 12 john 15 verse 12 this is my commandment that ye love one another as i have loved you as I have loved you. Do you see? He qualifies love here. If you look at this. He qualifies love. Love is just not this thing out there. Something that he's saying there. He's not just talking about love. He actually qualifies it. If you look there. He says there. As I have loved you. He gives us an example. Of how this love works. That we must function in. As disciples. And he says. And the example he gives us is. As I have loved you. So if we look at that. How did, uh, how, how did he love us? How did the Lord love us? And if that's the, the go-to example of how this love for one another should be. It's actually very easy. He gave his life for us. That's how much he loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his life for us. So what should we do? So how much we love then? Because we, the disciples, that's got to bear this fruit that's love. How much we love them. The way we must love is we lay our lives down for one another. That's how a true disciple functions. By laying down your life for one another. As he laid his life down as being the example of love for us. Alright? And I know this is a difficult thing for us as believers sometimes. We don't always get it right. Alright? John 15 verse 13. John 15 verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. See, it's still the same topic. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what I just said. We have, that's how disciples must live, that love, that fruit. Now if we look at verse 7 again of John 15. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Alright, we're back to that verse again, where you can just ask, like we were taught. And like I said, this can teach so many times in religion, and used incorrectly in religion. I've bumped my heads with people wanting to use this verse, and when I tell them that's not how this work, this verse works, they really get upset with you, um, because they use that verse as their go-to when they want something. Alright, that's the arm twister with the Lord uh, and it's because of a wrong understanding it's not that they're doing this maliciously it's just they've got a wrong understanding of how this works um, 
Sorry, I just want to get to my place here. And when I talk about this verse, most of us have used that verse in our prayer life for the wrong reasons. And we all, especially when we didn't understand this, have used this verse in a, in a wrong way or for a wrong reason. And guess what? When we use that verse, most of the time, what you prayed for didn't happen. I think you can all agree with me. We've used this verse so many times asking things because we, the word says we can ask. It shall be given unto us. And then we pray this and then guess what? Nothing happens. Most of the time, I'm not saying always, but most of the time it doesn't happen what you're praying for. So why? What, what's going on then? The key is in verse 16. If we look at this of, of John 15. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Remember, what is this fruit? Love. And he's saying here, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. So he's saying, I've ordained you to bring forth this fruit, which is love. Okay. Let's quickly look at Galatians 5 or 6. Just on this point, Galatians 5 or 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which work by love. Okay, so what does this verse mean? If we look at it uh, in the spirit, what does this verse actually mean? Can you see when it speaks about circumcision here? It speaks about religious systems. Um, talking, it's talking about a religious system there, doing things in a certain way. It's actually, the circumcision, actually talking about the Jews and their beliefs regarding circumcision, their religious beliefs and rituals they are focusing on. Okay? And then the other one is where Paul is saying, even our rituals that we have, that is uncircumcision, has no power. Each one of us here listening have used uncircumcision things and we think it's got power and it's got no power. Things that you have taken out of context because you saw something somewhere and now you believe in this thing and you think it's a good thing for me as a Christian because I'm doing it again something that I like because I must do something for the Lord and then it's not out of relationship. It's out of religion. You have, let's, let's take an example of what I've said before. Um, You have maybe brought up to say when you pray, you've got to be on your knees. So if anybody prays by not going onto their knees, it's wrong. I know this is a, a weird example, but I just want to make it practical. So now you see somebody praying while lying down. Immediately your belief system are going to accuse that person in your life as saying that they're doing it incorrectly. They're wrong. So they, they haven't got a right relationship because they are not on their knees praying. And that believe and you think there's only power when we're on your knees and you're giving that thing power by think believing that and it's actually uncircumcision it's it's your belief system using be very careful when you look at stuff these days of social media um everything you 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 see on social media will say this is good and, and that same thing this is bad the next guy will make a video how to be a christian don't do this because you if you do this you're helping that and then this guy will say, no, rather do that, because if you do that, then it's this. Those are all religious stuff that we follow. That's not from the Holy Spirit. It's not our religion. That's, that's, we're actually putting ourselves under this thing that we're believing, and it makes us look very holy when we do these things. But it's not relational. It's not from the Lord. It's not from the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's what that verse in Galatians 5 or 6 means about the circumcision by following these rituals that we believe. I must only do a thing this way, otherwise it's wrong. And the people, if they don't do it this way, they're wrong. And uncircumcision and things that we do that we think now we're not circumcised. We're not under the law, but we've made our own laws that we're following to do this, this way. And we may not do that and it's not allowed to do this. All right. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say there. But... That verse is really talking about religious things that we, we get stuck into. But it says here, but the faith which worketh by love. So if you believe in something that you are following, that you think is a, the thing that we must do as a believer, or it's wrong if people don't do this, or people that don't understand this, my question for you is to think about is, is that belief thing you're following, is that faith 
that you're putting in that thing. Workers by love. That should give you an answer if you're following the right thing or the wrong thing. We actually should not follow things. We should only follow Jesus Christ, not things that we think is right or wrong. Jesus Christ is our answer. So why do so many of our prayers then, if we use this verse, not get answered? Why are so many of our prayers unanswered when we use that verse that we just said? For if we ask it, we'll receive it. Okay. I said your faith is activated and energized and working through love. Not by conviction, not by pointing fingers, not by doing things that you think you must do because somebody said this and now you're following that thing that was said. It is faith is activated and energized and working through love. Let's go back to verse 16. Ye have not chosen me. This is now John 15, eh? verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Now, Listen to this. And that your fruit should remain. That fruit, that love. Sorry. Take it open. Let's go now. Sorry, our internet just dropped there for a second. I just want to get back seeing you guys. Right, we're back. Sorry, the internet dropped there. So, it says, and that your fruit should remain. That fruit we've just showed in detail, I showed you now, is love. But it says that fruit must remain. Alright, this love. That whosoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. So, we, we really don't read these verses and we just read the last bit that that whatever you shall ask on the Father in, in, in my name, you may give you. We don't read what the verses is actually saying, or the verses around that verse is actually saying. Okay? So, when will you receive what he asks? If you look at that verse, when will you receive what he asks? When we have fruit that remain. Do you see that? If you want to receive these things that we ask, the qualification is there. The, it will, will happen when the, the fruit remain. When what remains? The love. When the love remains. That's not how religion functions. Religion gives you a set of rules to follow in each denomination. And if you don't follow that, they will they work you out of that denomination. But the Lord's saying, the only way He looks at us and wants to work through us and use us is through love, that fruit that we must have out in the marketplace. Religion just teaches you ask and you will receive and, and then nothing happens. When we do that, we have all have done that, then nothing happens. And sometimes that causes people to fall away because I've, I've seen this personally where people use that verse and pray for something and then it doesn't happen. And then they fall away out of faith. Because you as a believer told them to pray this verse and ask anything it will be given unto you. And they've been asking for a certain thing and then they haven't received it. And they're saying this religion is wrong. They're not interested in Christianity. Because you said this will happen. It says in your Bible I can ask and I've been asking and it's not happening. So I don't want to be part of this faith anymore. Because we are teaching the people the wrong stuff. Out of, out of context. Alright. And they will fall away and that, that, that's not what it's about. Okay. So it's dangerous to use these verses that we, we put a gimmick to these verses and we, we, we give that to people and say they can use it and then it doesn't work and the people get hurt. Now, what is this fruit that we that remain? What is this fruit that must remain? Let's make it, I'm going to explain it to you in a practical way. If we look at grapes, we're speaking about the vine. If we look at grapes, when they're on the vine, eventually they will go rotten. If the, if the grapes stay on the vine, eventually they go rotten. Olives, any fruit that stays on the tree or, or wherever they're growing, if they stay on there, they will get rotten. Okay? That's normal for the, the normal thing. So we must bear fruit. This love, this fruit, we must bear it. But if we don't use it, if we don't give, what is, the, what, what is fruit for? 
to give to somebody to eat off. So if we don't give this fruit for somebody to eat, it's not going to sustain. It's going to go rotten. So what is this fruit that it says here? Because it says there in verse 16 that, and that your fruit should remain. So how does this fruit remain in us? This grapes, because we are on the vine. How does this fruit remain? So I want to explain that for you in a practical way. Back in the day in the Bible, when grapes were picked off the vine, for that grapes to become wine, it needed to go through a process. That grape, that fruit to remain, it had to go through a process. And that process, where they started with, back in those times, they crushed the grapes under their feet. People will trample on the grapes all the time to get the juice out of the grapes. It was a long and tedious process that the grapes had to go through to become wine. So, they, after they'd taken all the juice out of the grapes, trampled on it, they would throw it into a pot, and all this juice gets thrown into the pot. Now, remember, I, <laughs> I love apple ties and grape ties and all those things, but... Like back in the days, I don't think they take out all the flies and the spiders and the cobwebs and everything that's in those grapes. They just chuck all of that in the machine and crushes it and you get your apple ties or your wine or whatever the case may be. Back in the day, I think it was exactly the same. They took these, they wash it, but I mean, you can't get rid of all the flies and the spiders that's in there that gets crushed. So all of this gets thrown into this vase, this vase back then, and they will wait and all the little bits and pieces of the grapes and the pips and all that, and the spider legs and all that will flow down. And once it's all at the bottom, they will pour it into the next vase. And then they will wait again for the little bits and pieces that's still left that we didn't get rid of the first time to go down. And we'll pour, pour it again. It will continue that way until the wine is 100% clean. So do you see there's a process that these grapes go through to become pure? Um, so, and remember we're talking about fruit that must remain. This fruit that must remain, that the Bible speaks about this wine that we must, that we're talking about here. So, when they get poured out, we get to this true, special, cleansed wine. When we got rid of all the old stuff, the spiders and the flies and the cobwebs and everything that was in the, in the, in the grapes. We get rid of that. So, we need to go through this process to become pure. Like the wine. Wine is lasting. And it's a fruit of a grape. A lasting fruit that comes forth. That's still there. In Afrikaans is blavend. It's a blavend deal van die vrug. Van die driver of the grape. It can be stored for years. You know that wine can be stored for years and years. When, we, when we've made wine. So sometimes you and me. Are being crushed. Are being trampled on. A bit. And we don't like it, like the grapes. But we don't realize the Lord's busy crushing us a bit. He's busy with us to get that lasting fruit. But we're complaining about this crushing the whole time. And we don't realize He's trying to get rid of all these spiders and spider webs and pips and stuff that's in us, is with us. He's trying to get rid of that by the crushing. And you're just moaning about the crushing all the whole time. And then what do we as, 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 as good Christians do? We stop, start fighting with the devil when we feel this crushing. Then we want to start binding the devil and, and fighting with the devil. And then we want to bind the devil and somebody's maybe lose the devil somewhere in your belief system again. Because you have to bind him again tomorrow. And then the next day somebody loses the devil again. And then you bind the devil again. And you go through this whole fight the whole time not realizing it's not the enemy. It's the Lord that's busy with you. And you have been brought up so in such a way, you always want to fight and look for the enemy and everything. You don't realize the Lord's busy taking you through this process to get that pure wine out of you. Why is the Lord putting you through this crushing, this constant pouring out, getting rid of the old filth? Why is he putting you through this process? Why do you have to go through this process as a believer? I said here because he wants you 
to get to a place where what you ask him, you will receive. Remember, that's what the verse was about. You want this stuff. He wants to take you through this process. So when you start asking him, Lord, this and that, you will receive this. Because I said, we're not receiving the stuff we're praying for a lot of times. So I want to show you and help you why you're not getting that. Because you have been doing it out of a religious way and not understanding maybe the proper way of how to do this according to the word. But he wants you to get to that place where you, you can receive what you pray for. That you can receive what you pray for. He knows. And come on, we all can be true to this. He knows. If he gives you what you ask for now. And have been asking maybe for before. He knows what you're going to do with that thing. He knows exactly what you're going to do with it. I mean, a lot of times we ask for these things. And if he looks at us and he looks at our grapes that we're carrying on the vine. Most of the times the grapes are still green. They're not even ripe yet. But we're asking for stuff. We want stuff, but the, the grapes are, are green. They're not ready. But we are wanting this because we're using that scripture. And we, we're proclaiming the scripture. We're standing on the word. But he looks at us and sees, my son, your, my daughter, your, your grapes are still green. They're not ready for that yet. If he gives you that thing now, you will destroy people. You'll destroy yourself, maybe. Because you're going to use that thing wrongly. That's why discipleship is so important. Because you first need to go through that stuff. You can't just start teaching people. If you haven't walked the walk with this stuff. It's dangerous. Remember, nobody gets drunk from grapes. I want you to realize this. Nobody gets drunk from grapes. The Lord will take you through this process, this of crushing and all that. But the reason is that that grapes can become wine, that people can drink from that, that and come under the influence of who's influencing you. That wine, that good wine, the best wine. When you people come to you and they can drink from that wine that's in you, they will become, we've spoken of this also before, they will, become, they will come under the influence which I in you, under which you are influenced, which is Christ. That's when they can come and drink from you. You can't give them green fruit, green grapes. They're not going to get under the influence of it and they're not going to like the taste and they're going to walk away from you. That's what happens. All of us here have tried back in the day to try and get somebody to come to Christ and they, they actually don't want to talk to you anymore. Because what have you done? You've actually given them these green grapes to eat and they didn't like the taste of it. Okay, so it's not to point fingers at one another, it's to realize what has happened and not to do that again. To apply what you've learned through this process you've been going through, through this crushing, because we must stand in this love. Because this process will have a lasting effect on you. All right, when you do this, that's when your husband, your wife, your children, your colleagues at work, they will drink from that, that wine that went through that process. And not your religion, religi religious doctrines that you've been pushing at them the whole time in your office space or workplace maybe. Alright. Um, John 15 verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified. Remember the glory we spoke in the beginning. That ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So when is God glorified? When we bear fruit that is lasting. I want you to understand this. When is God glorified? When we bear fruit that is lasting. Not a quick fix. Lasting. God already said yes in Jesus. Listen very carefully. God already said yes in Jesus according to the word. And where Christ and, and where is Christ? He's in us. So God has said yes in Jesus. Christ is now staying inner. So where is your yes? It's in you. It's in here. It's not there. It's in here. So where's your answers to everything you're asking? It's inside here. It's in here. Now look at what yes Paul saying it in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. For as many as are the promises of God, 
they all find their yes, that answer, the yes, in Him, Christ, which is staying in you. For this reason, we also utter the Amen. So be it. That's what Amen means. So be it. To God through Him. Okay, this is deep. You must really listen to this. For this reason, we also utter the Amen to God through Him. In His person and by His agency. To the glory of God. So, God helps me and you to say Amen. If you read that verse. He helps you to say, so be it. He gives me um, the yes, like we just read there. It says there, for as many are uh, the promise of God, that they all find the yes in Him. For the reason we also utter the amen. So He gives me the yes. And you know what's more awesome? He also helps you and me to say amen. That's what that verse is saying. To the glory of God. Again, to bring forth His glory. The plan that He had from the beginning and to the end. So, when does God get glorified? When you and I say Amen to His yes. Where is His yes? In you. You've got to know this and live this. Then you will look different than the rest, than religion outside when you live this. When the people come and eat and drink from your fruit, they will realize it's different. It's not to point fingers at the others. You must be the hands and feet so that people can see there's something different that they can come to. Uh, I said, yeah, I want to show you that you contain the answer. In your house, in your in your home, in your home, in your town, wherever you go, when you meet people, you are a container of this this answer, this yes and amen. You contain it; it's in you. Um, Colossians one verse fifteen to twenty eight. We're going to end with this. I'm not going to. Re I'm going to read this, but I want you to see. You should actually go and read this afterwards again. This Colossians one fifteen to twenty eight. This answer is in us. It says here, now Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. Christ is the visible expression of this invisible God. God's plan all along. God increases Christ to fill the earth. That seed that had to die. In other words, you become visible. You become the visible expression of the invisible God. You become the visible expression, visible here on the earth. Of this expression of this invisible God. That should really wow you. If you understand that. That's what he's doing. So when we walk outside there. We must resonate this love. This fruit. This love. Why? Because God is love. It says that in 1 John 4 verse 8. 1 John 4 verse 8 says God is love. Um, I want you to see God must be everything in your life. Not the things you follow. God must be everything. It says that in Colossians 1 verse 16. Um, Colossians 1 verse 16. It says. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. He existed before creation began. For it was through him that everything was made. Whether spiritual or material. Seen or unseen. Through him and for him also were created power and dominion, ownership and authority. See, every time it says the two. In fact, every single thing was created through and for him. He is both the first principle and the upholding principle of the whole scheme of creation. I read this out of the, uh, the J.B. Phillips. So there's something to think about. He He's the beginning and the end, that verse says, of everything. The whole of creation, everything is the beginning of the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But you know what we do as believers? He begins in us, this Alpha, and then we run to religion. We don't allow Him to finish with us. We begin, he begins in us, this Alpha, He's the beginning. And as soon as we meet the Lord, we run to religion and religious systems. And, 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 and we fall in the trap of that. Then he has to come and struggle to get it out of that religious system 
to bring you to the Omega. Most of us, 99.9% .9 of believers go through that process because of where we stay today in society and everything and religion. Here's the beginning. Always we run, we, we accept him, the Alpha, and then we run to religion. And he's going to come and take you out of that religious system. And it's hard because we don't want to let go. Remember what I said about people, ladies, men. We don't want to let go of that system. That's why, um, again, women, I'm not pointing fingers here. A lot of times I point fingers at the guys. But it's difficult for the ladies to step out of the system. They met the Alpha, and now they want to make plans to stay and operate this Alpha. They want to do the things. And they, it's difficult for them to step out of it. And the Lord is pulling them out of that thing again to get to the Omega. But they're so stuck in the, what they like about the system. Because unfortunately the system brings everything that a woman likes. Everything that a woman likes. Coffee. Soft chairs. Conversation. Somebody looking after your kids. It gives you all of that. And that's what the woman wants. Because they just want to have some time with the Lord. And they love that system. And anybody that says anything negative about the system, they will hate. Everything, anybody that says anything about that system that they are connected to now, that religious system, if anybody says neg anything negative, they will hate it. I mean, some of you, um, Albury, you that's, that's watching now, when we were being taught this stuff years ago with Umiyani, think about it, I'm going to make it practical. Who was the people that most of the time came and then left? Didn't stick. It's the ladies. Most of the time the ladies will come and they don't stick. More men will stick than the ladies. And a lot of the ladies' problems was he's against my church or he's maybe um, being too judgmental on my church or what I like. And they, they are... Not listening to the Holy Spirit, they, they go to their, they offended about somebody daring to say what the, the, they believe in is wrong. And unfortunately, the ladies tend to do that way more than the men. It's not always the case, but I've seen it. The ladies are the ones that don't want to stay in them. They will always have the same problem. Somebody that's stuck in religion will always, they all use the same excuse. They will always have the same excuse. I've never heard new excuses. They always use the same excuse. I don't like what he's saying. And then sometimes they don't even want to say what he's saying that's wrong, but they, it just offends them because it's going against what they like because the church are doing this for them and they feel so loved there and it's just the kids are being looked after and they miss what's actually going on because they don't get to the, allow the Lord to, to get them to the Omega. Okay. Now, let's see, where was I? Remember what I said. He will start it and he will finish it. We continue reading there. And now he's the head of the body, which is composed of all Christian people. He, the Lord, is the head of the body. Life from nothing began through him. Okay? And life from the dead began through him. And he is therefore justly called the Lord of all. Now, okay, this may be a bit graphical, but... but I want to make it um, something that you can understand. When a baby gets born, what comes out first? The head. Alright? The head was born 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ. Because it says He's the head of the body. See how they're using the natural to explain something here for you? When a baby gets born, the first thing that you see is the head. Our head, Christ, was born 2,000 years ago. So, what is coming out next? Out of the womb. The body. The arms and the legs. The body. Alright? So, even today, what's still becoming visible? The body. When a new baby is born, you can't use everything correctly at the moment. The hands are going all over the place and the legs. And that's where we are at the moment. We're all there, but we all... This hand's fighting with this hand that's in the way. And the legs are kicking and... Alright? It says in the next verse, It was in Him that the full nature of God chose to live. And through, God, uh, through Him, God planned 
to reconcile in his own person, as it were, everything on earth and everything in heaven by virtue of the sacrifice on the cross. All right. So God wants to re reunite everything in heaven and on the earth under Christ, okay, which is staying inside of you. He wants to fill everyone with Christ. That, that stays inside you. This revelation that Paul got Christ in you. The hope of glory. He wants to fill everybody with that revelation. With that. So. Who does he want to do this? Who does he want to use to get this Christ in people? You and me. We are his hands and feet outside as a disciple. That's functioning out of this fruit that is love. Okay, we continue verse 21. And you yourselves who were strangers to God, and in fact through the evil things you had done, his spiritual enemies, he was now reconciled through the death of his body on the cross, so that he might welcome you to his presence, clean and pure, like this baby. No sin. When Lily was born, you can see there's no sin in her. She's pure, clean. She smells pure, clean. That's what he's talking about. That's how you look when you get born again in the spirit. Without blame or reproach. This reconciliation assumes, of course, that you maintain a firm position in faith. And do not allow yourselves to be shifted away from the hope of the gospel. Which is the hope? Christ in you. Which you have heard and which indeed the whole world is now having an opportunity to hear through you. You, by preaching the gospel, are giving them opportunity to hear this. Verse 24. I myself have been made a minister of this same gospel. Like you now also be made a minister of this gospel. And through it is true at this moment that I am suffering on behalf of you. This is Paul speaking here. Who have heard the gospel. Yet I am far from sorry about it. Indeed, I am glad because it gives me a chance to complete in my own suffering something of the untold pains for which Christ suffers on behalf of this body, his body, the church. For I am a minister of the church by divine. And remember, this church is the body, not the building of the divine commission. He says, I am a minister of the church, otherwise of the body, by divine commission. A commission granted to me for your benefit and my benefit and for a special purpose. That I might fully declare God's word, that sacred ministry, which up to now has been hidden in every age and generation. This thing has never been taught, never been spoken before this day that he's writing this down here now, saying this to the people. But which is now as clear as daylight to those who love God. See, there's a qualification again to those that love God, not those that follow Him. There's a difference. So, He's saying that whole thing that I just read you, this revelation, this beautiful thing, this, this mystery that He's received, Paul has received. He said, you need the, you, all you need to do to receive this, all you need to do to have this revelation, this mystery, this hidden treasure is to love God. Not to know knowledge of the Bible and doctrines or follow your religious system or do what your church are telling you to do. It's to love God. I'll continue with that verse. They are those to whom God has planned to give a vision of the full wonder. The ones that love God, he's saying this to them now. They, the ones that love God, are those to whom God has planned to give a vision of the full wonder and splendor of his secret plan for the sons of men. So for those that love him, he's going to give you the splendor and the secret plan. And the secret is simply this, Christ in you. Christ in you bringing with him the hope of the glorious things to come. A lot of denominations don't even realize this, what this Christ in you means. They don't realize it. They don't even talk about it. But it says here, very clearly, they are those to whom God has planned to give the vision. These ones that understand this. The full wonder and splendor of His secret plan. So the ones that love Him, only they will get this 
splendor, the secret plan. And this plan is Christ in you. Remember what I said in the, in the teaching I did about Paul's timing? If you haven't watched that teaching, go to watch that teaching, Paul's perfect timing. When Paul released this revelation of Christ in you, nobody have heard it before. Not Peter, not John. Peter had a slight glimpse of it when he spoke to Jesus. But nobody knew about this. It was never taught. Jesus didn't teach on this. Paul was the first one to teach on this Christ in you. The, the disciples back when he said this, I didn't believe the Holy Spirit was in them. They didn't understand what it means that Christ is also in them. There's all, everything that's in them. They didn't understand that. But Paul came to clarify that and take them deep into this revelation. of uh, Because the Christ in you makes you fall in love and, and, and grows in this relationship that you have. The Holy Spirit enables you to learn and to do the things that you need to do. So then Paul came and said, okay, you can do the things you need to do. You've got the Holy Spirit working through you. Now let's realize that Christ is also in you, that you can have a better relationship with Him now. And they started following Him in relationship more because of the, they got the revelation of Christ, the, the hope of glory. All right. Remember what I said. He's not just, just God, yes, in you. He's also Father's, yes, through, through you. All right. He's not just God's yes in you. Remember, I said the yes is in you, yeah? He's also Father's yes through you when you speak to people. So Christ in us is for everyone out there when you walk outside, that Christ in you, right? Let's stop finding fault in things and let's focus. And that's for all of us, me, you, all of us. Let's stop finding fault and let's focus on the Christ that's inside of you and get to that place where you can share that with people so that they can also have that revelation that's glorious understanding of christ let the holy spirit really um help you to get rid of the religious stuff that's in you that because that's what he's doing to get rid of the spiders and the and the, the flies and the, and the stuff that came in allow the holy spirit to really get all those religious beliefs the things you believe that's that's not out of relationship and there's nothing wrong if you had the stuff but allow the Holy Spirit to get rid of the, the fault in us. To go through that process to get that lasting fruit. That you can radiate this love of Father when you're outside at your work with. When you can radiate this love to people when you stand in the queue. Because the people so desperately need this. When you're talking to your next door neighbor. When you're when you, at the toll. Especially in the times we know where people are irritated and, and very negative. Radiate that love. Go through the process of pruning. That will get you to the place where you can ask for anything and the Lord will help you because you've gone through it. Now you will know how to use it. Because in religion, people don't go through things, they just use it. They don't go through the pruning of finances. But they teach every Sunday you must sow or tithe. They themselves haven't gone through it yet. They've got no revelation of, of tithing or, or, or finances. And I want to use the word tithing. Finances. But they preach Sunday for Sunday you must give. But they haven't walked through it yet. They would say have faith. But they haven't walked through that. They haven't been pruned through the process of faith. Understanding what faith is to fall in love. They would say, have fruit, but they don't love, maybe. You don't see love from them. You just see a lot of knowledge and doctrine in them. They know the Bible word for word, maybe, but there's no love. So allow the Holy Spirit to take you through those processes so that when you go through them, then you can stand in front and, and, and teach about these things. That's why I don't allow babies. There's really a baby to teach on these things because they can't teach if you haven't walked through them. You can't teach if the Lord has taken away finances from you and taken you through that learning curve of finances and now you want to go teach on finance and you haven't walked through that. It's not possible. You're going to teach knowledge and there's no life in knowledge. You have to go through that thing. Then there's life in it because you went through the pruning process of getting cleansed. And now you can talk about finances and people will understand how to give out of love finances, not out of a religious belief. I'm using that as an example because it's a very relevant one in the body. One of the main things people are fighting about. So, please, I hope you get a better understanding now of religion. What does it do to you as a believer? How it ties you up to function correctly? Don't think that 
doing the work of a disciple makes you in love for, uh, with in a relationship with the Lord. It doesn't. You need to allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to take you through this process to fall in love with Him. Then we can ask and, and we will receive these things that we ask and this lasting fruit that we need. That's relationship. And we must show the difference to people outside relationship, 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 and not doctrines. Because the churches each got their own doctrines and the people are fed up with that. That's not helping. That's like praying this prayer and you're not getting anything. It's not getting answered and you don't understand. It's because you don't read the Bible in its full entirety to see there's an there's a add-on to that verse. There needs to be fruit that is love. You as a disciple will be known by your love. When you pray for somebody outside or at your workplace, love must always be visible. That changes people's hearts. Not condemnation, not pointing fingers, but love. Okay, guys? You can switch on your mics. If there's any questions, you can switch on the mics.